Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Yunstein, are you in the room? Yunstein right here will be kind of your host today, so you can follow him in there. And uh, he loves it when I do that to him. Whenever the, the, moment, the shake the hands moment, he's out there getting coffee. <laughs> but anyways, and lastly, uh, but certainly not least, make sure you grab one of these backpacks. We love the Boys and Girls Club of Calgary. We partner with them on so much stuff. We were able to, every Christmas, we give them tons of money and tons of stuff, as well as this as well. And uh, I'd like to thank Andy for playing a part and always putting this together. Uh, but grab one of these, and uh, let's get our stuff back here, and uh, let's serve these kids. Uh, Jesse mentioned this morning one of the big areas in which these kids are new kids to, to Canada who don't have much refugees, and so we're partnering with them, and uh, we love kiddos, we love children, uh, we love families, and so make sure you get part of that. Amen? Amen. Right. Judge the person next to you and say, man, you look good today. I'm just trying to get the single people a date, so there you go. Hopefully you're sitting next to uh, somebody you're interested in, or that would be awkward. Other person likes you and you don't like them, and oof, yeah, that happened a lot. No, I'm just kidding. Well, come on, fantastic. We're going to get into the words today, man. This series has been um, just a great, great time in God's Word. Every summer, we do a walk through the book of the Bible, specifically a character of the Bible. The first year, we did uh, David. Uh, you can listen to all these online, by the way. All of them are online. We record right in the back. Thank you, Harrison. Uh, let's give Harrison a hand for doing a great job today. So now you just can't forget. Look at that. You can go online and listen to our David series. Last year we did Joseph, and this year we are focusing on the life of Ruth. Uh, and the title of our series is God is Involved. So if you miss those and you want to catch up, again, you can go online. But, you know, uh, we're, we're just going to continue. Last week we kind of took this story, uh, the first kind of first chapter, and we looked at it from the vantage point of Naomi and Naomi's family. Today we're going to kind of switch shift gears and look at the same passage of Scripture but actually look at it from the other side of the, uh, of the story, of Ruth's story. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but here, honey, I'm going to throw my wallet at you. It's, have you ever seen that Seinfeld when he's got the wallet on there? No? And then he opens it up and the receipts go everywhere? <laughs> Only two of you. Awesome. <laughs> you guys are busy watching Friends or Office on Netflix, not Seinfeld. Well, uh, a couple years ago, actually about wow, 12 years ago now, my wife and I, have you ever uh, went on a road trip? Have you ever been so lost on a road trip? And with uh, nowadays, this probably doesn't happen, but you know, no GPS, no phone. And I don't know if you've ever been so lost where you're like to the point of fear, where you just don't know what you're going to do, where you're going to end up. And one time my wife and I, about 12 years ago, were driving back. We were uh, on staff at a church here in Calgary as youth pastors, and we were driving back from, my, I'm from, from the, Portland, Oregon, and we were driving back from Portland, Oregon, and my, 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 uh, on our way back, we were coming through the Crow's Nest Pass, and a freak snowstorm hit at just a blink of a moment. And, all, and at the same moment, we got a flat tire. And so we had to pull over, and uh, it was those 12 years ago, you know, maybe even longer, maybe now 13 years ago, cell phones, you know, it was a spotty coverage out in the Crow's Nest Pass where we were. We had no, G, like, old school GPS, you know. We were just lost, and we had, uh, I don't even think we had our kids with us then, did we? No, we had no children. Wow, that was a long time ago. 
And so uh, we were in the car, and we're freaking out. And there was a train going by. My wife was worried that someone was going to jump out of the train and get us. It was really weird. She had this weird fear that, so we had this little flashlight. It was like one of those ones that has no batteries. You go, you know, so we go, she'd be like this, to go out. And then she'd stop, she'd go out and be like, she was so worried that on this passing train, someone was going to jump out and like murder us or something like that. It was really weird. And so here we are in the middle of this nowhere land, and we are, it's freezing outside, and the snow is coming down, and we've got no GPS, we've got no cell coverage, and we're sitting on the side of the road, and I go out to change the tire, and the tire is completely stuck to the side of the car. I cannot get it off. And so I start hitting it, and I start kicking it, and I start doing everything I can until, you know, at that time I wasn't this big, so, you know, I was struggling to get that tire off of there. And all of a sudden, I just realized we're in trouble. Like, I got back in the car, and I sat next to my wife, and I just said, honey, this is going to be a long night, okay? This is going to be a long, cold, scary evening, and hopefully we don't get, uh, your dream doesn't come true, that a train, <laughs> someone doesn't jump in our car and hurt us. And so here we are at the side of the road, and honestly, to be, to be honest with you, we were a bit worried. We were fearful. We were lost. We were discouraged. We were, we were almost feeling like, what's going to happen next? We don't know how this is going to work out. And I had just taken this new job in, in this church, and I was supposed to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning, and it was like 3 in the morning, and we're out in the Crow's Nest Pass, and we're just like, oh my gosh, we're freaking out, and things are totally crazy. I don't know if you've ever been in this situation before, or maybe you've been in this situation before, maybe just in your life, where you you feel just stuck. You feel like, man, like we were kind of on the journey of life and things were kind of going well and all of a sudden life just kind of broke down or something just kind of happened and I didn't have the right tools to get to the next step or the relationship that I got into didn't quite work out like I hoped it would and so it fell apart and then things aren't like they used to be and now you're just sitting in the car of life. You've got a, a flat tire. It's snowing outside. You're afraid someone's going to hurt you and you're just kind of in your life right now is this life where you're just like, gosh, I don't know where I'm going to go next. I don't know what's going to happen next. Maybe you're here and you're a follower of God and you say, gosh, I don't know how God's going to get me to where he said that I was going to end up. I knew he promised me this and I, I believe for that and I just don't know how I'm going to get there. How am I going to get to the place where God wants me to be? And as we were standing there on the side of the road, all of a sudden, with the snow coming down off in the distance, we saw two headlights. It was just completely ghost, ghost town. Nobody was there. Two headlights came over the top of this hill. And as the two headlights came down, they drove by. This truck drove by. And I kid you not, I'm not exaggerating, which I tend to do. Today, I am not. As this truck drove by, there was a, it said angel towing with angels on the side of the truck. <laughs> and this guy does a Yui, and he gets out of the car. He was a gruff-looking fella. And he walks over. Honestly, he said two words. He was like, hi, can I help? That was it. He walked down. He you know, moved the tire, went back to his truck, came back, knocked it off, changed the tire, threw it in my car. I had money waiting. And I turned around. And I'm not exaggerating. The guy was gone. It was like he got back in the truck. He drove away. And at that moment, I knew that God was absolutely involved in my life. That God knew every detail, even when I was in a place of despair and a place of discouragement, when it felt like it was maybe dark in my life or spiritually dark, or man, I've been too far from God, or I made too many mistakes, or I fell short, or man, I'm a sinner, or man, this marriage isn't working out, or my finances are falling apart, life doesn't look, I kid you not, God is involved in your life. And he sends these little angel towing trucks into your life. And you're just doing God is absolutely and consistently involved in every area 
of your life. And today we look at this story that reflects that. And as we look at this story today, we see in Ruth chapter 1, I've read this a couple times here now, and we're going to read it again. We're just going to read the first uh, few verses, and we're going to walk through this chapter today to show you that God was so involved in this woman's life and that he's involved in your life. Not only is God actively involved in your life, but he has a legacy for you. He has something great for you that might even go beyond your lifetime. You don't even know what your grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren will do because of your personal decision to accept God's involvement in your life. But not only that today, we want to talk about this one big piece of the puzzle, that your position that you choose to take in life actually matters. How you respond to your life matters. Your faith position matters. It matters with how you get to where you're going. It matters with the life that God wants to have for you. It matters in the relationships. How you choose to live your life and the position you take in the area of your relationship with God absolutely matters. And so let's read this verse today in Ruth chapter 1. We'll read the first three verses, even though it says verse 1 to 4. It's just the verse, verse 3. And it says this, In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Epaphrathites. I like, like over and over tried to say that. And my mouth does not want to say that word. <laughs> say it with me. Apathrophites. I just can't say that word. Just like Jonstein's name. <laughs> he left the room. He was so offended. <laughs> and from Bethlehem, the land of Judah, and when they reached Moab, I have like a degree in theology and I can't even say the name. Goodness gracious. And when they reached Moab, they settled there and then Elimelech died and Naomi was left with her two sons. And so last week, as you, uh, as you remember, or maybe you can listen online, but, but uh, remind you what happened in the story that there was a man named Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons and they lived in the city of Judah, uh, Bethlehem, which is a very famous town. We know that Jesus was born there. King David was from Bethlehem and th this was a a very, uh, a very important part of history in the story and the narrative of God, that this place was God's town. It was God's city. It was God's land. And they were experiencing a famine amongst those who were in the land of God. And so Elimelech and Naomi had to make a choice. Are we going to stay in the land of God and trust in God to provide for us, even though it doesn't look like things are going to turn out well? Or are we going to kind of take matters into our own hands and kind of do what we think would be best and go to Moab, where from my perspective, Moab is very, very, uh, the economy's good, there's jobs there, things are going great. And so Elimelech and Naomi made a decision. They made a decision to uproot their family from the, the land that, that they had been born into for generations. They pulled themselves out of that place and they headed on over to Moab and they began to make their life there in Moab. And we have to understand something about this time in the context of the Bible that in Judges 21, 25, it says, and at that time there was no king in Israel. People did whatever they felt like doing. And so this was a season in the Bible where there was no king and where the people only had God as their leader or their gods as their leader. And so this was a season in the Bible where there was no like government or rulership dictating their lives. They could do really whatever they wanted. And so they made a personal decision to leave the place of God that they knew had rooted themselves in his history of the people of Israel, the blessed people of God, and they left that place and they went over to Moab. And so here we see that this family settled in Moab. And 
What's interesting about this story is that, that Moab was an incredibly spiritually dark place. Moab actually came from an odd history. Lot uh, is Abraham's nephew. Uh, after Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, Lot was left with his two daughters, and his two daughters were worried that they weren't going to have an offspring, and so they got their father drunk and had sex with him. And so Lot is actually, or I'm sorry, Moab comes from an incestuous relationship between the daughter and the son and has come all the way down this history to create absolute, like, uh, like a battle, a, a, a continuation of a, of a strong war against Moab and against Israel. Moab and Israel were at odds with one another and Moab did not serve or honor Yahweh God. And so they were a spiritually, spiritually dark place. And Ruth was born into this place where there was no understanding of God. Now remember, in those days, not just like we did today, we, James plays one note on the guitar and our hands are up and we're like, oh, the presence of God. In those days, remember the, the actual manifest presence of God that lived on the earth was in one spot in Israel. It was in the Ark of the Covenant. Now there was the omnipresence of God and God would show, reveal himself to people when he chose to do that. But the actual presence of God that was present with believers that we can come boldly before the throne of grace was not the reality of that time. And so Moab did not experience the manifest presence of God. And this is a very spiritually dark place. In fact, the God, the main God that they serve, serve excuse me, was the Cheshmash God, or they also call him the Molech God. The name for this God was the, the, uh, the, the fish God. Actually, it was called the Destroyer. This God's name, his actual term was he was the destroyer. They actually used the, the idea of this as the, he came to steal, kill, and destroyer. He was this destroyer, and it was this, this God that they served that was angry and upset and wicked. And this God that they served, they actually have record back in the Old Testament of people doing ch child sacrifices to this God. And Cheshmah, this Cheshmash God, this Moloch God, would have this platform where he would have a, an idol of, of Cheshmash and his legs would rotate and underneath the rotating legs were a, a blazing fire and they would place children, young infant babies, on top of the, the, the idol's lap and the, idol, the baby would roll off into the fire as a sacrifice to Cheshmash God. This was a spiritually, absolutely dark place. And this is where Ruth grew up. Ruth grew up in a place where she did not know anything about Yahweh God. She had never been to church before. She had never heard of the Catholic Church or the Methodist Church. She had never heard of the idea of the Yahweh God. She had no context, no history, no experience. She was in a dark place, a spiritually dark place, where all she ever knew was this Cheshmash, this Moloch, wicked, angry God. And so we come to Ruth, we see that she grew up in this place. And yet, the entire book of, obviously, the, this book revolves around this woman who was in a place of spiritual depravity. The entire book of this Bible, think about this for a minute. This woman became the great-grandmother of King David. She became the carrier of the seed line of Jesus Christ. 
And this is the woman who was born in Moab with no history of God, far from God, far from a relationship with God, far from an understanding of God, doesn't know anything about it, is spiritually depraved in a place of darkness and confusion, and she doesn't know how she's going to get from one place to the next. She feels the spiritual darkness. She doesn't know why she feels so empty. Why do I feel so lost all the time? Every relationship I get into, it doesn't matter how many relationships I get into, I always feel empty inside. It doesn't matter how much money I make, I always feel empty inside. It doesn't matter how much promotions I get at my career, I get there and I realize it's just not enough for my life. It doesn't matter how far I go, how much I travel, how much I do, how much of life that I experience. This woman always had a point in her life where she realized she was spiritually depraved and there was something missing in her life. She was very far from the, act, the idea and the reality of God. And so here we find in this story in verse 4, it says the two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, not Oprah. And the other, a woman named Ruth. So Moab was 90 kilometers away from Israel. It was a 7 to 10 day walk on foot. So Moab was this place that that these people who were of Israel made a personal decision to leave the atmosphere where God would provide, their Yahweh God would provide, and go to a place where they knew God wasn't. Seven to ten day journey by foot. And these people move into their home. They settle into their community. They get all their, their papers figured out. They get their house figured out. They get their boys into school. They start living their life. They start doing their thing. And then one day, randomly, Ruth is walking down the road in the market where she's hanging out getting some fruit and some water for her family. And Elimelech and his family happen to walk by. And she looks at the young boy and says, hey, oh, that's one good looking guy. And she turns and she looks at him. And as they walk by, she notices in her heart there's something about that family. The next day, she's there again and again and again. And finally, after many times of passing one another, they have this moment of interaction where Ruth takes notice to their son, Malon, and they have a relationship. And now she has this random routine encounter. I love this because in Scripture, it does not tell us how they met. But if you think about it for a minute, it was 10 walking days, 10 days away from Israel, in the middle of a tiny town, in the middle of nowhere, it just so happens that Ruth stumbled upon the Israelite family who had God living in their lives, and even though they made some bad decisions, and even though they weren't really on track for God, still their heart beat for the Yahweh God, their heart beat for the presence of God, and Ruth walked into that place, and it just so happens that one day, randomly, they meet one day. One day, this family moves into Ruth's life, this family of believers, and Ruth began to discover truth that she had never heard before. She began to learn about this Yahweh God that, that was compassionate and slow to anger, and that he loves you, and that he's consistently there for you, and that he provides for you, and that yes, he wants your heart, and yes, he wants your life, but he's everlasting God. He's the creator God. He's the beginning. He's the, he's the, the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's the alpha, the omega, and Ruth is beginning to learn about this amazing God called Yahweh, 
Yahweh, this, uh, this Elohim, and she's learning from this family, this Elimelech, and learning about the ways of God, and learning about the history of Israel, and learning about all these things. She's beginning to learn amongst her spiritual darkness about this God called Yahweh, this God called, called Elohim, and she's beginning to experience this relationship with him, and things are going good, and she's starting to fall in love with Malon. He's looking good today, and she's all into him. This is awesome. And then one day, something tragic happens in their family. This man named Elimelech randomly, tragically dies. So Ruth's first experience with the family of God is tragic death for no reason. So who knows, maybe this is when they fell in love, her and Malon. Maybe this is the moment when they fell in love with each other because Ruth's name means friend. So maybe she was a friend for him during the loss of his father and they ended up getting married and they were together and they developed a relationship and at this point it doesn't say she's a follower of Yahweh yet but now they're getting to know one another and then 10 years later something else tragic happens. Malon and Killian go, go to work one day and Ruth gets up and realizes she, she hasn't seen her husband in a while and she goes down to the work and realizes that her brothers, her, her husband and her brother-in-law both died on the same day. And this is the God, Yahweh, that you serve. And here we are now with Ruth experiencing the death of her father-in-law, the death of her brother-in-law, the death of her husband. And here she stands in a spiritually dark place and the only thing she has left is Naomi. Here she is in this land where she's beginning to understand the things of God and she's beginning to learn about this Yahweh God and she's beginning to learn how good he is and how awesome he is and how wonderful he is and how he has a plan for my life and all of these different things and all of a sudden she experiences death, she experiences despair, she got, got this, the God that she had big hopes for lets her down. She's in this place where she's like, is this the God that you serve? This God, like I have family and, and they've never experienced this kind of tragedy. You lost your husband, you lost your sons, all in the matter of 10 years ever since you moved here, this is Ruth's first experience of what it feels like to be around Yahweh God and his people. And listen, it's very important. Here she is in this desolate place with no presence of God. She's spiritually depraved. She does not know God. She experiences the death of her husband, the death of her brother-in-law, the death of her father-in-law, and the only thing she has left is Naomi. That's all she has. Naomi. That's it. The only thing left in her life is Naomi. And what they don't understand, though, is, is that God was going to use the tragedy that was happening in their lives to navigate Ruth to the place that God needed her to be to provide the legacy that he had for her. And you might be here today and you are in the middle of Moab. Maybe you're in a place in your, in your life right now where you do not have a relationship with God. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you've never been at church before. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and we have a, a real gift in our church for seeing religious people get saved. <laughs> maybe you're here today and I'll just say it, you're like a religious person and you do church and you go to church and hey, I get it. But you're far from a relationship with God like that song saying and you feel alone and disconnected and, and apart and there's things happening in your life. Maybe there's tragedy. Maybe there's loss of job. Maybe there's relationships that are falling apart. Maybe you're lonely because you want to be in a relationship and you find yourself in this place where you're alone and you're broken and you want to start to have a relationship with God and you have to understand something that God has a plan. He's using everything that's going on in your life right now even when your heart is not for Him. He is navigating you to the place where He wants you to be. 
Can you imagine that for a minute? Even if you're here today and say, Ryan, I don't got my life together. Well, God's still involved in your life. Say, Ryan, I don't read my Bible enough. Well, guess what? God's still involved in your life. Ryan, I don't go to church enough. Oh, God's still involved in your life. Ryan, I made a huge mistake, a huge sin, a huge blunder. I moved to Moab. Guess what? God is still at work in your life today. Actively working to get you back to the place where he needs you to be. And this was Ruth's introduction to the loving, living God. And all she was left with was, was Naomi. See, long before Ruth knew anything about God, God knew everything about Ruth. Long before Ruth was still in her darkness and depravity, God was at work trying to get her set up to meet Boaz, which we'll learn about in a few weeks. He is one good-looking guy, and Ruth's going to be smitten by this guy. And it's the very thing that God wanted to do to bring them together in order that they might be the carrier of the seed line of Jesus Christ. God knew all about that, and he knows all about the legacy for your life. He knows all about the promises and all about the prophetic words and all about the things that you dream for, all the things that God has put in your heart today I want you to know if you continue to serve the Lord he will be faithful to navigate you right where he needs you to be and we see here that the only person left in Ruth's life was Naomi so fascinating if you think about it from the other side of the coin last week we looked at it and we realized that that Ruth was grace in Naomi's life. Ruth was always with her and she was there in her hardest times and grace was constantly with her. But now if we shift the, 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 the vantage point, we realize that Naomi in this story is like God. That when you are in the darkest, lost, discouraged, broken moments of your life and tragedy happens and loss happens and difficulty happens, guess what? Naomi's still there. When you got nothing else in your life, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I've been to places in my life where I got nothing else other than God. I got nothing else in my life. I got nothing else that can, I can count on. I got nothing else. I've come to a place in my life where I am so in need for God in my life. I realize that Naomi, God is always with me no matter what. Here she is in this place of desolation, this place of brokenness, this place of loss amongst the tragedy and the confusion and the loss and the pain and the difficulty in her life. She had nothing left to live for, but Naomi was still there. I want to acknowledge that first this morning. This is one of the biggest parts. So if you're here today and you say, Ryan, I'm struggling to get my relationship with God going, this is step number one. Acknowledge that God is present with you right now in your greatest tragedy. You think he's distant. You think he's gone. I want you to know the only person that changes in your relationship with God is you. God doesn't shift. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God, got the same heart, the same attitude, the same beliefs, the same desires for you. He wants to succeed you and prosper you, and he wants to bring you a future and a hope. God hasn't changed. We change. He's Naomi. He stayed there when everything else is falling apart around you. Naomi's standing right next to you saying, hey, son and daughter, I'm here with you today. I'm with you in your season. I'm here with you in your loneliness. I'm here with you in your brokenness. I'm here amongst your marriage when it feels like it's going to fall apart. I'm here in your addictions. I'm here in your sin. I'm here when you feel lost and broken and distant and disconnected. God is ever present in your life, just like Naomi in this story. He's with you. He's a part of your life. He wants to be engaged and involved. And isn't it interesting that God sent Naomi and he used bad decisions 
He used sinful decisions. He used death to get to the place of Ruth's heart. Think about that for a minute. If we look at the vantage point of Elimelech, we think, oh, he made bad choices, bad decisions, and hey, listen, there was death in the family, loss in the family, and if you might be able to put the two and two together and say, well, it was because, you know, he didn't obey God and didn't even inquire of the Lord, and hey, maybe, maybe not, we can sit down and talk about that, but just think about it for a minute. All that God did to get Ruth, he allowed bad decisions from a people of God. He allowed death and destruction and difficult things happen along the journey that just happened in life. And you say, why did that happen? And why did I lose that person? And why did I lose that job? And why did that thing not work out? What you don't know is that God is out to get you. He's leading you to a place where he can get your heart once and for all. No matter where you're at, no matter the difficulties and the tragedies and the bad decisions you've made, it's going to lead you to a place where good Naomi, where God is with you and he's about to lead you right back to the place that he needs you to be. But there's a next step in this story. We see in this story that God led Ruth. He went and found Ruth. And I, I know there's a lot of nuances there. You're saying, did God allow this? Or did God allow that? Hey, you and I can sit down and talk through that. Let's just not go there today. Put that pause on that thought for a moment. And let's just celebrate the idea that God is coming after you in your deepest depravity. He's here to find you and get you back to the place where you can be in the, in the position so that you can carry the very legacy that God has for your life, to fulfill the very things that God has for your life, to do the things, the ministry and the family or the kids or whatever it might be, the businesses or the, the careers or whatever God has for your life, the legacy that God has for you, He is constantly and sovereignly trying to get you to the place where you can be in a position to receive what God wants to give you and bless you with. Right. But we see that that part happens, but then we come to our next part here. Ruth 1, verse 6. Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them crops again. And so Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. And with her two daughters-in-law, she set out from place where she had been living. And they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. So now another tragedy is happening. She's now going to leave the home that she's always known for so many years. She's probably 25 at this time. She has a family there. She's got all these things going on there. Like, like she, now she has to leave the very place in which God asked her to be. So now another tragedy comes on. And here she is. Ruth and Orpah made the same decision. They decided, okay, I'm going to go on this journey with Naomi. Now remember our correlation that Naomi represents God in this story. So they said, okay, we're going to go on this journey with God. Here we go. I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to start this journey. I'm going to start going for God. I'm going to go back to Judah. I'm going to start going on this journey to go back into a relationship with God. But we all know that's not how this story ends. How this story ends is two different individuals made two different decisions. And every one of us in our journey with God, God sovereignly is navigating, he's involved sovereignly, navigating you to the point where you have to make a decision. He brings you to a place in your life where he will bless you and he'll heal you and he'll redeem you and he'll forgive you and he will always do those things. But there's a point in your life where you have to begin to position yourself for the legacy that God has for your life. And here we see in this verse that as they're walking, this point of the story is, is that now she's in a place of despair. She's brought to this place now where she's following Naomi. Orpah's with her too. And finally, Ruth stops, or Naomi stops them and says, okay, I want you to know something. I want you to know that you probably shouldn't come with me. And look what she says in this verse. 
But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mothers, your mother's home, and may the Lord reward you for the kindness to your husbands and to me. You may the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. She kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and if I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than they are for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again, they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. She said, hey, listen, it's decision time. Listen, I'm letting you know now that if you want to go on the journey that I have for you, the journey that we're about to go on back to Jerusalem or back to Bethlehem, if you're going to go on this journey with me, I want you to know you have to give up your entire life. You have to give up your, your ideas of, a, of your idea of a future. You have to give up your idea of the family. You, you have to give up your idea of grandchildren, the white picket fence and the home. Basically, you have to give up your agenda and your way because I know in your mind it was originally going to look like this, but I want you to know if you make a decision to follow me, it's not going to be what you want. It's going to be what I want. You have to actually give up your agenda and your life and your wants and your needs to say, okay, Naomi, I'm going to follow you to relate to. Where will be my people. Your God will be my God. Who you relate to, I'm going to relate to. Where you die, I'm going to die. On that day, Orpah made a decision to go back to her old life. She chose to go back to Moab. She chose to go back to the place where she was before. She go back to the old, old way of thinking and the old way of living where Cheshmash God, the spiritually dark land that she lived in, she made a personal decision to go back there. But Ruth made a different choice. Ruth made a decision to literally give up everything to follow Naomi. She chose to give up her future. She chose to give up the potential of children. She chose to give up everything. She came to a moment of decision in her life, a moment where she had to choose. Am I going to give up my own agenda, my own plans? They have to go out the window. My agenda has to shift. It's no longer what I have in mind for myself. It's no longer what I thought was going to happen. No longer my plans are. Now I have to give up my plans to serve Naomi. And see what, imagine for a moment, if Ruth had not have chosen to go to, to Bethlehem. Imagine for a moment what would have happened if Ruth decided to go back to Moab. She, was the, she carried the seed line of Jesus. She was the great-grandmother of King David, for goodness sakes. Can you imagine if at that one moment she, she wanted to live for herself so badly that she chose not to follow after Naomi. You want to know what? God is involved, and he's involved in your decisions. He's involved in your life. And I want you to know today that God's sovereignty, coupled with your free will, you will experience the legacy that God has for your life. If you are a partner with him and say yes to the life of God for yourself, I promise you today, God has plans. He has promises. He's got a future. He wants to bless you. He wants to pour his favor out on you. 
Will, it, will a tragedy happen? Yes. Will difficulty happen in your life? Of course. Will there be difficulty? Will it be all cake and pie and cheese and cream? Well, absolutely not. But you know what? You will have a God there to guide you and protect you and heal you and be with you through every single step of your journey today. Ruth made a decision and she said, okay, it's decision time. I am going to go with you. I am going to give up everything. Look what the verse says here in James chapter 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. I want you to hear me today. Your legacy is at stake. Your future, the prophetic words and the dreams that God has for your life, they are at stake. See, Ryan, this is July 21st, but it's summer. Why are we talking about this? I'm sorry, it was just in the text. <laughs> the reason I want to share this with you today is because I believe many of us are here today and we're just like Ruth. God came and found us in the darkest of places of our lives and he brought us to this place, a position where he wants to bless you and pour his life out onto you and his grace out onto you. But you need to make a decision that I'm going to give up my life, my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. I'm going to give up everything to follow God. Because when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will lift you up. You must choose. You must make a decision. You must make a choice. Ruth couldn't wiffle waffle. She couldn't just stand there and not make a decision. She couldn't just stand there and say, well, I'm just going to stand here for a while and decide. No, she had to make a choice. Either go or don't go. Either go to, go to Judah or go to Moab. Make a choice. Make a decision. But if you go to Judah, if you go to Bethlehem, if you go to where God's leading you, the great things that God has in store for your life will blow your mind. The Bible says that no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has conceived the things the Lord has prepared for those that love Him. The Bible says that He can do immeasurably above and beyond all that you can ask or dream or imagine according to God's work in your life. He wants to do something beyond your life right now. He wants to go far beyond what you could ever imagine. He wants to use you in powerful ways you never thought were possible. He doesn't want you just to be a, a, just a, a steady eddy uh, in all things. He wants to come and shake you up a little bit and say, come on, the life you're about, you've got to give it up. But I promise you, this adventure and this journey of faith that I'm going to take you on is going to blow your mind. There's a legacy for you that you don't even see that from generations to come, your great, 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 great grandchildren will benefit from your decision to say, God, I'm going to go all in and I'm going with you to Jerusalem. I'm going with you to Bethlehem. I'm going to Judah. Amen? Amen. God came into Moab. And what you don't know is that from the beginning of time, God has been at work in your life. Ephesians 1, 4 to 5, look at this. Long ago, even before he made the world, God chose us. You see that? Long ago, even before when? Let that sink in for a minute. Wow. So you think that your life is an accident. <laughs> you think that life's just happenstantial. Like, oh, I happened to stumble upon that person at that bus stop. Or I happened to stumble upon that person when I was in the hospital room and they said, hey, can I pray for you? Or you happen to stumble upon that relationship at that place. You think that your life is just coincidental? No, God's involved. That's right. Because before the foundations of time, <laughs> before the world began, he knew he had involvement in your life. That's right. 
Every day and every moment of your life is recorded in his book. Come on, let that sink in today. Before the foundations of time, he made the world. God chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. Look at this. He decided then to make us holy in his eyes without a single fault. We who stand before him covered with his love. And his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by sending Jesus Christ to die for us. And he did this because he wanted to. Look at this in Ephesians 2. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. So stop trying. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done. So none of us can boast about it. Look at this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You think your life's an accident? You think that you're hanging out in Moab and all of a sudden you end up in Judah? You think that has something to do with you? No, God's involved. Come on, say that out loud. God's involved. You think that that moral failure, you think God's going to disqualify you? You think that divorce is going to disqualify you? You think that years of, of, of trouble you've had or the, the mistake you made or the bad decision or you think that that area of your life that no one knows about, the skeleton in your closet that we don't talk about, you think that disqualifies you from God redeeming you to fulfill the legacy that God has for your life? I am here to tell you today that God is involved and before the foundations of time, he declared that he is going to be involved in your life and he's navigating you to a place, but you have to make a decision. Luke 14. Some, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. This is Jesus talking. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying that person gives, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, Jesus says, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Whew. See, that's a lot, Ryan. You're telling me that you want me to give up my plans and my agenda? Yeah. You say, Ryan, I got to give up like some things in my life I know I shouldn't be doing, like I really love to do, but I shouldn't do. Yeah, God will help you. Yeah, you need to give those up. You're telling me that like I had this whole, my whole five-year life plan, and you're telling me that I got to lay that down before God and trust in Him to navigate me? Uh-huh, yeah, absolutely. Because guess what? When you make that choice, next week we'll learn, you're going to end up in the field of Boaz. Next week you're going to end up with an opportunity that was completely blinded to you until finally you made a decision. I'm going all in and guess what? God says, hey, I want to put a light on this door of opportunity that's been in front of you the whole time. But now I'm going to make it clear to you that this career or this promotion or this relationship or this thing that you've always been dreaming for in your life is now available to you because you stop trying to have control of your life and you let God sovereignly lead you to the place where you say, I'm in God. Because guess what? You don't know you're the generations upon generations of people ahead of you that will be impacted by that one decision to go all in for God. You don't have control of your children's future. Only God does. Imagine what life would look like if today you said, all right, <laughs> I've left Moab. I'm standing in the field with Naomi and she's here today saying, okay, girl, 
All right, guy. All right, people. I want you to know that if you choose to follow me, there's a bit of a sacrifice here. How are you going to respond today? Orpah? Not Oprah. Orpah? Or Ruth? This is where we're at in the story of Ruth. The only reason a book of the Bible was written about her and the only reason she became the great-grandmother of King David, a man who served the purposes of God in his life for this generation, the only reason that Jesus Christ himself came to this planet through Ruth was because of this one single decision to lay down my life and serve God. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you just close your eyes for a few moments here today? Every person across the room with your eyes closed, and I do this just for respect for other people. I want to give them a chance to know that they can respond today without, without any fear. Come on, you're here today, and there's two people I'm talking to today. Maybe you're today, you're Orpa. You started this journey with God and you've started heading back to the place where you know your life's going to get together, but you're at a decision point and you find yourself always going back and visiting Moab. <laughs> and you're here today and you just say, Ryan, I just want to make this thing. I want to make this commitment today. I want to make a declaration that I'm going to be like Ruth and I'm going to go the distance and I'm going to give my life up today. That's the first person today. You're here today and you're already an you're a follower of God, but you just need to get yourself back on track today. The second person I'm talking to today is someone in the room who has never accepted Jesus Christ before. Maybe you've never been to church or maybe you've never been in a, 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 a Christian environment or you don't know who God is, or, but you've never just started that journey. And on today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you'd like to give your life to the Lord. So first, let's pray for these people. Come on, you're here today and you maybe say you're Orpah and you just want to make a fresh commitment today. I want to get back on track and I want to give my life to Jesus once again and I want to go on this journey once again. Come on, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand real high. I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to pray for you. On the count of three, one, two, three. Come on, put your hand in the air real quick. There you go. Come on, that's fantastic. Come on, so many hands across the room. Praise God. Amen. Come on, right now, go ahead and put your hand down for a moment. Okay, the second question you're here today, and you say, Ryan, I'd like to start a journey with God. I'd like to experience that legacy. I want to experience the blessing and the favor of God in my life, but I've got to make that decision today. You're here today, and you say, Ryan, I would love to give my life to Jesus and start this journey. I'm going to count to three, and I just want you to put your hand in the air real quick. One, two, three. Go ahead and put your hand in the air real quick. Come on, fantastic. Praise the Lord. Come on, there's several hands room lifted this morning. All right, you can put your hand in. I want to pray with you today. Let me pray for that first group. Lord, I pray, Lord, for the Orpahs in the room. <laughs> Lord, I first want to pray, Lord, I'm so thankful for your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness. Lord, you are consistently faithful to us, God, that when we fall short, God, that when we, we don't know what's going on in our life, when we make mistakes, you are faithfully there in our lives. And today, they have made a decision and a declaration that they want to follow you again, oh God. So today, I pray for these people, Lord. I pray for whatever derailed them last time. That, Father, you give them the strength and strategies to get around it the next time. God, whatever relationship, whatever addiction, whatever behavior, today, God, I pray for wisdom. 
I pray, Holy Spirit, you give them, Lord, just a supernatural self-control and ability and passion and faith to endure when things get difficult in their lives. They would not relent, but they would stay on the track and on the course to serving you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, church, every person in the room, repeat after me. I'm going to pray out loud, and this is for the folks in the room that want to give their life to the Lord today. Come on, everyone in the church, pray out loud with me today. Come on, repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, come on, a little bit louder. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. Come on, louder. Come on, I need you. I need you. I need you in my life. I need you in my life. I need you in my heart. I need you in my heart. I want to start this journey today. I want to start this journey today. Forgive me of every sin in my life. Forgive me of every sin in my I life. I want to acknowledge that you're God. I want to acknowledge that you're God. And I want to follow you with my whole life. I want to follow you with my whole life. I want to start this journey today. I want to start this Would journey Would you come today. and enter my heart today? Will you come and enter my heart? Fill my life with your presence. Fill my life with your presence. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.